This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Malik Yomidin. Allahumma laka alhamdu wa ilayka almushtaka wa bika thiqatu wa alayka tuklan wa la hawla wa la quwwat illa billahi al-aliyyul azim. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa hal uqdata min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma la sahri la ma ja'altahu sahla. وأنت تجعل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن اهتدى بهده واستنى بسنته ودعا بدعوته إلى يوم الدين إن شاء الله تعالى we are continuing the تفسير سورة البقرة we are on ayah number 214 ayah number 214 um, we spoke about the ayah that came before where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, كان الناس أمة واحدة فبعث الله النبيين مبشرين ومنذرين وأنزل معهم الكتاب بالحق ليحكم بين الناس في مختلف فيه where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that the ummah, mankind, was one community and Allah sent them prophets that would give them glad tidings and that would also warn them Give them glad tidings that if they follow the divine guidance that comes from Allah, they will be rewarded. They will live a good life, prosperous life in this world, and a good and prosperous life in the hereafter. And if they don't, then the prophets were munzirin, which means warners, to warn them the, of the, that they will be held accountable if they refuse to follow the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the purpose of the prophets in the books was to teach mankind right from wrong, truth from falsehood, that which is pleasing to Allah from that which is not pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then that the mankind uh, split into two, those that follow the prophets and those that deny the prophets. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that they differed. So the purpose of the prophets and the books was to judge between people in matters wherein they differed. Should we allow alcohol or should we not allow alcohol? The sharia, the guidance for the prophets came That we should ban alcohol Should this happen or that happen? Anything, anything That's haram or halal Anything that's good or bad Righteous or wicked It was explained by the prophets in their books Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that the uh, And only those whom the scriptures were given Differed concerning it after clear proofs had come unto them Through hatred and envy of each other And then Allah by his leave guided those who believed to the truth and that wherein they differed, and Allah guided whom He wills to the straight path. Allah is telling us basically, there's two people, the message of the prophets came, worship only one God, live a, good, a righteous life, have the best of manners, avoid all prohibitions, and if you fall into it, repent, hasten to repentance, live a life worthy of living, and if you do so, you will be rewarded. Now, the prophets came with this message, now you have the choice to follow, or to reject. If you follow, you get the glad tidings that they promised. If you reject, they warned you. That's the basic message of this ayah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to those that did follow the messengers and the prophets. Those that did accept Islam. Now, remember the glad tidings we just talked about? Glad tidings for those that follow? Now, does that mean that that's it? Once you follow the prophets, once you become a believer, you have a ticket to Jannah and that's it? Allah tells us no. That's not the case. Allah says, أَمْ حَسِبْتُمْ أَنْ تَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةِ Or do you think 
تجول أنت جنة تجول أنت بارادايس ولما يأتكم مثل الذين خلوا من قبلكم and the trials that came to the ones that came before you that they will not happen to you did you think that just because you say I believe that everything will be fine and dandy and you will not be trialed or tested like the ones that came before you so what happened to those that came before us? What happened to the followers of the prophets? What happened to the believers? They were afflicted with ba'sa. Ba'sa is severe poverty. They struggled. They suffered from ailments and difficulty and calamities. And they were shaken. So here Allah is telling us that don't expect the journey that you're upon to be easy. Just because you believe that you will not be tested. In Surah Al-Ankabut, Allah says, uh, Do the people think that they will be left alone just because they said we believe? And they will not be tested? You will be tested. Your faith will be tested. Your trust in Allah will be tested. Your patience will be tested. Your gratitude will be tested. This is not meant just I believe and that's it. So Allah is telling us here, the best of the best were tested. And this is what we learn. Uh, we learn that this whole dunya is a trial. And in it, you are constantly being tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah mentioned in the Quran, that's the reason He created us. Uh, uh, Allah mentions that Allah is the one that created Heaven and earth To test which one of you Will have the most righteous actions So You're constantly being observed By our creator And you're constantly being tested What will you do? Now what How does Allah test us? Allah tests us with With good and with bad So A child was just born to you and the birth was very easy for your wife. You have a beautiful baby boy. This is a test. Everything went wrong. And she is in the ER. And your child is struggling or may have born a disability. This is also a test. So when everything is going good, you're being tested. When everything is going really bad, you're also being tested. Now, you don't control your circumstances. You do not control your circumstances. One day, things are going great. You're healthy. You're strong. And the other days, things are really bad. You'll get diagnosed with an illness. A relative may die. You may lose your job. This is life. This is the test. Now, how do you pass those tests? That's your job. How do you pass those tests? Gratitude with things that when things are going great. Patience when things are going bad. Your whole life is between those two. Oh Allah, make us among those that have patience during difficulty and are grateful during prosperity. And if you do those two things, you will live your life the way you're meant to. Now it doesn't mean, this is the thing, a lot of people think it's a trade-off. I will be a good Muslim, thus I deserve a good life today. No, who told you that? This is why one time someone asked a the question, they said, if Muslims are right, why do Muslims suffer? Right? Answer, who told you that suffering is an indication of truthfulness or falsehood, right from wrong. Who told you that? The idea that you should be 
where, where did that come from? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam wasn't rich, right? His house for two months they wouldn't cook, right? Uh, in many battles they were on the losing end. Prophet Musa uh, wasn't as powerful as Firaun, right? He wasn't eating as lavish as Firaun, etc., um, etc. Et the idea that suffering is an indication of righteousness, or, or, or you're suffering, therefore you're bad. Guess what's going to happen in the end times? In the end times, the followers of the Dajjal will live prosperous lives. The followers of the Dajjal will live the most prosperous of lives. Abundance of food. And they will be enjoying themselves. And those that reject the Dajjal and stay upon faith, they will struggle. So if we make the benchmark, you know what? If you have a good house and a good car and a good job, you must be upon the haq. Then when the Dajjal comes and he's giving all this free stuff for those that reject faith and follow him, are we going to do that? This is not the way, ikhwani fillah. And this is very important to understand that we have to, and uh, eventually, Allah says in the Quran, Allah says always, muttaqin," And the end victory, underline the word end, eventually the victory will be to those who have taqwa. You will be victorious when you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You will be victorious when you go to Jannah. And Allah reward you for all the worship that you've done, all the patience that you've done. But to think that that means in this world you will be rich beyond your dreams and you will have a good life, this is not the case. And this is why when some people say, you know what, I, uh, they treat their worship or as a trade-off for dunya. I should be a good Muslim so that Allah treats me well and gives me a good job. Or, or That's not necessarily the case. Allah, when you start praying... Allah may test you even more. When you start uh, uh, being serious about your deen, you might get tested with more problems. And you have to persevere. Because this will happen to the Prophets. The Prophets in a hadith, أَشَدُّ النَّاسِ بَلَاءً الْأَنْبِيَاءِ Those who suffer the most with trials are the Prophets. ثُمَّ الْأَمْثَلُ فَالْأَمْثَلُ Then the ones who's the most close to them, that's how it goes. So, you being tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with many difficulties is not an indication of you being far away from the truth or you being wrong or you being punished. You must have patience and take it and accept it and have patience and look it within and remember that this dunya is temporary and that uh, in the end of the day, as long as Allah has pleased you, nothing else matters. As long as Allah is pleased with you, nothing else matters. Um, on top of that, we as Muslims, this is important to mention, because in this ayah, Allah is teaching us a very important point. What is Allah teaching us here? Allah says, "Am hasibtum? Did you think that you will enter Jannah? Without such trials as those that came before you has passed you, has happened to you? Now, I want to take, tell you a story that happened to one of the companions in Mecca. The companions are few in number and they are suffering and they are being tortured and abused and beaten and insulted. Now think about this. Think about, uh, this is also what, one of the things that we should be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah, Allah didn't test us with this. Think about this. You live in Mecca and you're a regular person and you hear Prophet Muhammad preaching to about Islam but you you understand how it works okay well if i accept his, his his faith if i believe if i reject idol worship i will also be insulted 
I will also be beaten. I will also be ostracized from the community. I may be killed. To have so much faith and belief that you're willing to take that suffering because you believe in that truth. This is true iman. In that case, we have it a lot easier. Do we not? We have it a lot easier. And they would believe. And then they would be suffering. And they would know that... Um, they, so one time they went to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, Ya Rasulullah, enough is enough. Are we not upon the truth? Why is Quraysh doing all of this and all of this and all of this? Are we not upon the truth? And the Prophet ﷺ said, the people that came before you, this is very important. What does Allah say here? That you will have you, do you think you're going to go to Jannah uh, without being, uh, without going through what the people that came before you went through? They were afflicted with poverty, difficulty, until they were shaken. The Prophet said, the ones that came before you, um, the, one man will, will be brought and they would put a saw right there on his head and carve him into killing him in that gruesome manner just to denounce la ilaha illallah in faith and they would persevere so in other words there were people that suffered more than the suffering of of the prophet saying there are people that suffered more for islam than you currently are although they were suffering and we can say to ourselves there are people that have suffered for islam more than we are today right Prophet said then, victory will come. Allah has promised, but you guys are rushing. Have patience. And they did have patience. And it took years. For three years, they were boycotted, but they couldn't even buy food because they were Muslims. And many of them were killed. Some of them had to go to foreign lands to Abyssinia. But eventually, they moved from Mecca. They went to Medina. And slowly but surely, the Muslim community became stronger and stronger bigger and bigger until they came back, conquered Mecca, freed from idolatry, and then the result was alhamdulillah, great. But the suffering happened. They struggled. And they, they struggled personally, they struggled as a community. Many of their kin, family members died and suffered. And sometimes you may not live long enough to see the eventual victory of the believers. But sometimes the testing is tailored to you personally. Sometimes you're being tested in your home. Sometimes you're being tested with your health. Sometimes you're being tested and you have to stay strong. Now, what is our job? When an affliction happens to you, when Allah tests you, you control what you do, what you say, and how you react. That's what you control. I'll give you guys an example. Someone loses their child. This is one of the most painful experiences one can go through. Losing a loved one, losing your own child. Now, if you then start saying, this is not fair, why did it happen to me? Then you're saying things you're not supposed to. You're not passing the test, rather you're failing it. If you, in your heart, start getting angry, at who? who can you get angry at? Who took the, the, the life? Who gives life and takes life? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, in your heart, you must accept it. Now, does that mean you don't feel sadness and sorrow? Of course you feel sadness and sorrow. And look at the Prophet ﷺ, what he said. When he lost his own son. And the Prophet ﷺ is an example uh, of someone who lived a life of sadness and tragedy. He was, he was orphaned at a young age. Never met his father. Lost his mother at a young age. Lost his grandfather at a young age. 
um, then he uh, lost his wife and un- uncle in the same year. Then he saw his ummah suffering. And he saw his friends being beaten and assaulted. And then he lost all of his children in his lifetime, except for one. Only Fatima died after him. All, he, saw all, he buried all of his children, except for Fatima, who died six months after him. So the Prophet ﷺ in his life saw a lot of suffering. And when he had his son Ibrahim, and his Ibrahim, and he was holding him, and, and uh, the Prophet cried. His, his, just, his baby son just died. The Prophet cried and cried. And he said, Inna al-qalb Indeed, the heart feels sadness. So that's okay. That's fine. وَإِنَّ تَدْمَعَ And the eyes have tears. That's also fine. But look what he said. وَلَا نَقُولُ We will not say إِلَّا مَا يُرْضِي رَبُّنَا Except that which pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you're diagnosed with an illness, when you're having problems with your wife or vice versa, when your children are not listening to you, when you lose your job, when you're having difficulty going, well, it could be one if you're struggling with your mother, right? You, you don't understand each other. It could be relationship, it could be finance, it could be health, it could be anything, anything really. Your job is to never say something that displeases Allah, do something that displeases Allah, right? Control that and, and, and have patience and inshallah you will pass the test. That's your job. طيب. Um, وَلَمَّا يَأْتِكُمْ مَثَلَ لَنِ خَلَى مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ مَسَتْهُمُ الْبَأْسَاءِ So they were tested and what touched them was بَأْسَاءِ Poverty. So it could be that because, uh, I'll give you guys an example, someone is working, they don't allow him to pray Jumu'ah. He leaves his job. Then he struggles to pay the rent. This is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you did the right thing. If you left your job because they don't let you pray Jumu'ah, you did the right thing. Allah tests you. Allah may test you with poverty now. Will you go back to the job that was denying you to pray? Or will you persevere and Allah will give you something better inshaAllah. This is the way of the Muslim. You're being tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were tested with illness and ailments and, 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 and general difficulty. Darar, right? They were shaken. They were shaken because of their enemies. Right, and what happened to the Prophet ﷺ and Quraysh was um, that they were surrounded by people that wanted to kill them, by people that hated Islam and Muslims, and they were shaken. In Surah Al-Hazab, Allah mentions "Wazulzilu zilzalan shadida." They were shaken very harshly. Meaning, what does that mean? They're, they they were very scared, anxious, worried, but they stayed firm. Now, what the Sahaba went through, what many Muslims went through in the past, what many Muslims are maybe going through today, this is Allah testing their faith. You remember, you want to enter Jannah. Allah saying, do you think you're going to just enter Jannah without being tested? You will be tested. Tayyip. Hatta yaqul, it went to such an extreme level. Hatta yaqul al-rasul wal-ladheena amanu ma'ah. Until even the messenger... And those who believed along with him said, Mata Nasrullah. When will the help of Allah come? When will Allah they ask the question? Because Allah promised, Allah will save the believers. Allah will aid the believers. Allah is with the believers. Those are promises that were made. But they were pushed so far, they actually said, When will the help of Allah come? And Allah said, Ala inna nasrallahi qareeb. Indeed, certainly the help of Allah is near. So when you do what's, when you have patience, the help of Allah is near. And there's a general principle you have to remember. Usually, the aid of Allah 
relief comes when you're pushed to your limits. Right? Imam Shafi'i used to say, Ishtaddiya azmatu tanfariji. Get worse, O calamity, because at your worst is when aid will come. So almost like do your worst, because when it gets really tough, that's when Allah helps you. And you have to have patience. Allah says in the Quran, Allah says in the Quran about droughts and rain. When a community is suffering from a drought and they're waiting for rain, Allah says, Allah is the one that brings about rain. After they gave up hope. So, it's only when things get really difficult that Allah's aid comes. Allah's aid will come. You just have to stay strong and persevere. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala aid will always come. Now, in this ayah you're learning about the, uh, the, um, the difficulties that you may go through as a believer. Badr, the Muslims were fighting the kuffar. And Allah, when things got really difficult, aided them with the angels. One is going through a drought. When things get really difficult, Allah will aid you with rain, etc., etc. You're searching for a job, you're searching for a job, you're searching for a job. You're, you're almost about to give up. I'm all, and all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens a door for you. If you're a true believer, these things, Allah will open the, 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 the um, victory and the help and the aid of Allah will come. But until it arrives, be a good believer. And it may take a very long time. How many years was Ayub sick? Who can tell me? Prophet Ayub. How many years was he sick? Some of the mentioned 16 years he was bedridden. 16 years after Allah, Allah gave him health. Right? So, and what did the Prophet say to Khabab and the Sahaba? You guys are rushing and hurrying. So when Allah promises victory, when Allah promises aid, when Allah promises help, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen just like that. So we need to exercise patience. And we need to ensure we are passing the trials that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts us through. Now here in this ayah, there's one type of trial that's mentioned. This is the trial of difficulty, hunger, poverty, fear, these kind of things. But the other trial is very dangerous. And that's the one people neglect the most. When you have prosperity and affluent and richness and food, abundant fridges that are full, jobs, children. These are also tests. And this is the one that most people will fail at. Because the question was posed one time. What's easier? To be patient during difficulty or grateful during prosperity? What do you guys think? Which one do you guys think is easier? To be patient? I'll give you guys an example. Who in the past year or so, or the past month or so, or the past week or so, had a headache? Most of us would say, yeah, yeah, I had a headache, right? Right. Now when you have a headache, you, the idea, okay, you have to have sabr. Allah, you have to have sabr, Allah will heal me. You know, you have patience. That's a natural thing, right? Okay. What about when you don't have a headache? Do you remember to be grateful? Do you tend to, oh, you know what? Today I'm actually feeling healthy. Let me be grateful to Allah. Alhamdulillah. Thank you, Allah, for a healthy day. Does that come to your mind? It doesn't really come to your mind. That's the thing, right? We tend to remember Allah more when we are in difficulty, right? All of a sudden, you're something really is happening. Think about it. Something bad is happening to you. You'll pray qiyam. You'll make dua. Oh Allah, I need you. Oh Allah. Right? All of a sudden you're connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why one of the benefits of calamities, difficulty, problems, health issues, one of the benefits is that you go back to Allah. But if Allah just let you stay healthy, you would probably never went back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Ibn Taymiyyah used to say a powerful point. He used to say, a calamity that brings me closer to my creator 
is more beloved to me than prosperity that takes me away from my creator. If I'm healthy for 10 years straight and never get sick, and because of that, I never ask Allah for health, and never make dua to Allah. Everything is going, if everything is going for you, everything, you, when are you going to make dua? When are you going to make, wait, if, if everything was perfect, you, you would not, you'd forget to even make dua, right? But every time, oh Allah, grant me this, oh Allah, help me with this. So we need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you need to condition yourself to ask, to be connected to Allah even in times of good. Even in times of good, you need to condition yourself to, to uh, uh, connect yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because it's not enough that we only go back to Allah in times of difficulty. We should always go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we always need Allah. Um, طيب, let's continue. Uh, let's read I am Hasibtum, do you think? And Tadhurul Jannah, today you will enter Jannah. Walamma yatiku mathalu ladina khalaw min qablukum. And the trials that came to those that came before you have not passed to you yet. They were afflicted with severe poverty and ailments until they were shaken. So bad that even the messenger and those with him that believed said when will the aid of Allah come? Indeed the aid and the help of Allah is close. They will ask you what they should spend. This ayah is teaching you how to spend, how to give sadaqah. Who, Moses said, who to give sadaqah to. And it's mentioned that one of the sahaba, he wanted to give charity and he asked the Prophet, who is the most deserving of my charity? And in this ayah you will learn, it is not speaking about zakat, rather it's speaking about sadaqah. The zakat, the zakat, the people that get it are mentioned. There are eight categories of people, eight types of people that receive zakat. Those are mentioned in Surah Tawbah. Eight of them are mentioned, right? Those that zakat is given to eight types of people. The poor, the needy, those that help distribute the zakat are paid from the zakat. Those that are in debt, those that are in captivity, those that are the travelers that have don't don't have enough, um, and and others as well, right? Those are the categories of zakat. In this ayah, you're learning about sadaqah, right? Voluntary charity. Who is the most deserving? Who should you give? Yes'alunaka, they ask you, O Muhammad, ماذا ينفقونه? What they should spend? Um, say, قُلْ say, مَا أَنْفَقْتُمْ مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَلِلْوَالِدَيْنِ Whatever you spend of good, you should go first to your parents. فَلِلْوَالِدَيْنِ to the parents. وَالْأَقْرَبِينَ And to your kin and relatives. وَالْيَتَامَ and the orphans وَالْمَسَاكِينَ and the poor وَبَنِ السَّبِيلِ and the wayfarer, the traveler وَمَا تَفْعَلُوا مِنْ خَيْرٍ and whatever good that you do فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِهِ عَلِيمٍ indeed Allah is aware and knows it well so here you've learned of those that are the most deserving of your voluntary charity not the zakat but your sadaqah your parents your relatives the orphans, the needy, the travelers, these are the ones that are mentioned. A lot of times we overlook that if you have the opportunity to support your parents, that is a good sadaqah to do. And you get the reward of being dutiful to them and the reward of charity. If you have relatives that are in need, then it is better to give it to them than to give it to any other cause. Very important principle. 
it is better for you to give to your relatives that are in need than a person that is not your relative that is in need. So if you have the choice between giving a hundred pound to someone that you're related to, that is your kin, that is in need, or some random person that is also in need, you get more reward if you give it to your relative. Because why? You are not only giving him, but you're also keeping the ties of kinship. Two separate acts of worship. We are ordered by Allah and the Messenger to keep the ties of kinship. Meaning, stay connected to your relatives. Visit them, help them, aid them. Familial ties need to be strong. Now with that hundred pound that you give to your relative, you aided him if he was in difficulty, and you also strengthened the bond as a family. Those are two things that are you doing, and Allah rewards you for both. This is why the sunnah is that if you have the option, to, you, have, you have to choose between giving it to relatives and non-relatives, then it is relatives. There is exceptions. What are the exceptions? Let's say the one that is your relative is in more dire need, then of course you give it to them. But other than that, generally speaking, the sadaqah that you give to your parents and your relatives, there's more reward in it, because not only is it sadaqah, it's also birl walidain, it's also dutifulness to the parents, it's also silat al-rahim, the keeping the ties of kinship. Now, wal yatama the orphans, the orphans, my brothers, in your life, if you come across orphans, whether it is on a poster, an announcement, or those that you know, there is so much barakah in helping the orphans. There is so much blessings in helping the orphans. The Prophet ﷺ, those who sponsor, take care, feed, and aid the orphans, them and me will be like this in Jannah. This like, like this in Jannah. Can you imagine being like that with the Prophet ﷺ, that close to him by helping orphans? So, we all earn wages. Imagine you set aside a portion of your wages and then you say, I'm going to sponsor an orphan. This is a great thing that you can do. It may be the reason Allah gives you Jannah. Right? It may be the reason Allah gives you Jannah. Wal yatama, wal masakeen and the needy. You have to understand, my brothers, sometimes when you read these ayat, you understand the kind of person Allah wants us to be. We're the kind of people that not only focus on personal ibadah and worship, not only are we meant to be the, the people that pray and are connected to the Creator, but we are meant to be the ones that are the most beneficial to society. That we are aiding the widows and the orphans, the poor and the needy, the travelers, our parents, keeping bonds of, of kin and, and our family members. This is the kind of person that Allah wants us to be. The most deserving of Allah's rahmah, the most deserving of existing and being is the one that lives his life like this. And we should try our best to, to get as close to that as possible. يَسْأَلُونَكَ they ask you, O Muhammad, مَاذَا يُنْفِقُونَ What they should spend. Or who they should spend on. Qul say to them, min khayrin, Whatever good that you spend, let it be for your two parents. Wal-aqrabina and your relatives. Wal-yatama and the orphans. Wal-masakin. By the way, the, an orphan ceases to be an orphan in Islam the moment that they hit puberty and they grow up. So orphans are the young ones. So an 18-year-old who lost his dad is not necessarily an orphan from an Islamic perspective. You can still help them if they need to, but they, um, orphans are the younger ones, if that makes any sense. Tayyib. وَالْمَسَاكِينَ and the needy وَبَنِ السَّبِيلِ and the wayfarer someone is traveling they need to go somewhere but they don't have uh, enough we, if you help them there is a great reward in this as well وَمَا تَفْعَلُوا مِنْ خَيْرٍ and whatever good you do فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِهِ عَلِيمٌ Allah knows it well Allah will reward you for it and this is what you have to every good thing that you do Allah sees and Allah will reward you for it طيب now Allah mentions in this following ayah, ayah number 216, the ayah related to fighting. 
and war. And that the Sahaba and the believers, Allah mentions their relationship with the enemies of Islam. And they went through several stages. One stage they went through was when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Kufu aidiyakum wa aqimu salah. Keep your hands away from them and establish the prayer. Don't engage with the enemy. During their worst times, when they were suffering, they were told, do not engage. Disengage, leave them be. Their, 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 their whipping and hitting and abusing and insulting, leave it. Then another stage, Allah mentioned, turn your face away from the ignorant. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, forgive them and let go. But when things got worse and worse and worse, eventually Allah says in Surah Al-Hajj, Udina, لِلَّذِينَ يُقَاتَلُونَ بِأَنَّهُمْ ظُلِمُوا It has been given permission. Permission has been granted. All this time was patient, patience, patience, patience. Finally Allah said, permission has been granted. Udina, those that have been fought against and have been oppressed to fight back. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى نَصْرِهِمْ لَقَدِيرٌ And Allah is able and all capable of aiding them and helping them. So when they've been pushed, finally they were given permission to push back. When they were fought against, finally they were given permission to fight back. Now fighting back isn't easy. At first you're like, yes, let's defeat the enemy. They've done this to us, they've done this to us, the Sahaba. For 13 years they were suffering. Finally they were given permission to fight back. But that's not as easy. That involves sacrifice. You may lose your life. You may lose your wealth. Your children may be, may be, may be orphaned. So you may not be encouraged. In this ayah, Allah is encouraging the believers. Allah is encouraging the believers. Allah mentions, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْقِتَالِ Fighting in Allah's cause has been made uh, an obligation upon you. Has been written for you. وَهُوَ كُرْهٌ لَكُمْ While you dislike it. No one likes to put their lives on the line. No one likes to, put, to engage the enemy. No one likes to be in the front lines. And then Allah said, وَعَسَى أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا And it may be that you dislike something, وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ But rather it is good for you. Rather it is good for you. Example would be the Battle of Badr. It may, be, it may have been difficult. They were outnumbered. They were outnumbered. So it was also almost like a guarantee. They were outnumbered three to one. How are you going to defeat an army that is three to one? How are you going to put your life on the line like this? And Allah is telling them, well, if Allah has made it, it's been written for you to do, and you may dislike it. But it may be that you dislike something, but it is better for you. Why? What were the benefits that they gained from it? Number one, when they finally engaged the enemy, when they finally fought back against the enemy, first of all, they were recognized as a force in Arabia to be reckoned with, to be respected, right? No more were they the bullied. No more were they, that they stood up. Two, they actually defeated their enemy. And that aided in the da'wah. Now the Prophet ﷺ could spread Islam more freely. It wasn't that they were constantly being hunted. The benefit of it was those that died, gained martyrdom and went to Jannah. Those that were injured were rewarded by Allah for their injuries. Those that fought with the Prophet ﷺ, they gained their rank. And think about it. We're using Badr as an example. The Sahaba that participated in the Badr. Right? Now, first I want you to imagine standing there against the bloodthirsty Quraysh. The Sahaba are there. And they are outnumbered. And, and they have to fight in, in the heat, in the desert. Right? All of these difficulties. And 
One day, they defeat enemy, alhamdulillah. One day, Adil Jibreel came to the Prophet and said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what do you guys say about those that participated in the Badr? And the Prophet said, we consider them the best among us. And the angel Jibreel said, so do we. The angels that participate in the Badr are considered the best among the angels. Look at the rank they, they enjoyed. And then the Prophet said, O oh, people of Badr, 300 and something Sahaba, O oh, people of Badr, do whatever you want. You have been forgiven by Allah. You have been forgiven by Allah. That, that, was, that, that wasn't a... That wasn't a, a free ticket to do haram, by the way. When the hadith, some people get confused. What does it mean, do whatever you want? It means that no matter what you end up doing, you have your place in Jannah. You've been forgiven. That's why there was one companion, Hatib ibn Abi Balta'ah. This companion, Hatib ibn Abi Balta'ah. When the Prophet ﷺ was planning to, to, to invade Mecca, uh, because they broke the treaty, there was a peace treaty that the Quraysh broke, and then the Prophet broke the treaty, so now we're going to uh, invade Mecca. His family was in Mecca, Hatib. So he wrote a letter telling them, we are, the, the Sahaba are coming, we were coming, and, and it wasn't meant, this was a secret. It was a state secret that you couldn't give. But he wrote a letter, and he wanted to send it to, 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 to Mecca, because uh, he was thinking that uh, his family is behind enemy lines, and just in case they are used... Uh, as hostages or this or this would happen, they, they at least know what's happening. So he gave them the information. Of course, the Prophet, Allah told him, and Jibreel told him. And then the woman that he gave him to, the Prophet sent Zubair and Ali to get the letter from the woman that took it. So she was traveling and they said, you have a letter with you. She said, I don't have a letter with me. And said, the Prophet told us you have a letter with you. Unless you want us to, to, to look for it, give us the letter. And she tried to insist she doesn't, but she did. So they found the letter. They come back. And then when the Prophet sees the letter and the Sahaba, this is now uh, spilling the beans, right? Telling Quraysh that they're coming. Now, Umar al-Khattab said, Ya Rasulullah, he's probably a hypocrite. Let me cut off his neck. How dare he do this? And the Prophet said, he's, he participated in Badr. He participated in, do you not know he is a participant of Badr? Let him explain himself. And he explained himself. The point is, Right? Participating in Badr came in handy, didn't it? Very handy. Right? Now, that was a battle. Battles are not easy. But look at this ayah. Now read this ayah with that in mind. Fighting has been written for you and made obligatory upon you. Why do you dislike it? And maybe they dislike something. But it is better for you. Wasn't it better for the Sahaba that came Jannah? Wasn't it better for the, for the, for the believers? Wasn't it better for Hatib as well? Like all this khair can come out of it. And here Allah teaches something very important. This is almost like a life lesson. Maybe that you like something, love something. But it is bad for you. It is bad for you. Allah knows. And you do not know. This is very important. When Allah legislates something, Allah knows what's better for us, and Allah knows what's bad for us. And if we as Muslims internalize that, wallah, you will learn so much. So, the, the, the farid of jihad, the act of worship of jihad, when it was prescribed upon the believers, this is better for them. There is khayr in it for them, right? Now, in previous lessons, we spoke about the principles of jihad, what it means, who does it, when is it done. And we mentioned very clearly that what is practiced by some 
indiscriminately killing the innocent, the innocent uh, Muslims, innocent non-Muslims. Oh, that has nothing to do with what, what we are talking about. It has nothing to do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about. And those people are criminals, they're mujrims. But after what happens is, because the, the term jihad, to struggle in the way of Allah, to fight for the sake of Allah, because it has now been associated with people that are terrorists, people that are killing innocents, when it's been ter- associated with that, we almost forgot this glorified act of worship for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where one is willing to give up their life for Allah. Badr and Uhud and Hazab and Khandaq, etc., etc. And that was not the only one. That's not the only one. Muslims throughout time have been fighting and warning off against the enemies of, of, of Islam, and Allah will reward them for it if they have the right intention. If they have the right intention. Now, here you're being taught, it may be that you're like, well, that's not necessarily a good thing. And sometimes the Prophet would have to draft the companions. And this may happen also sometimes, you know, countries, they draft the people to fight. And one might be thinking, oh, this is bad. And I don't want to. And it happened in the time of the Sahaba, where some Sahaba prefer to stay home. They prefer to stay home. They didn't want to. Right? It's a lot of things, you know, arrows and swords and spears and dangers. And you don't know if you're going to survive. But Allah mentioned. Allah in Surah Tawbah, Allah mentioned. Um... مَا لَكُمْ إِذَا قِيَّ لَكُمْ انْفِرُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ ثَاقَلْتُمِ الْأَرْضِ Why is it that you were told to, to, to go and fight in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and go and march forth? You stay behind. You plant your feet. You cower. Why is this? أَرَضِيتُمْ بِالْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا Are you pleased with this lowly world? But Allah is... So, so this was the messaging that was being given. And one must remember the lofty goals attained through fighting the way of Allah, when protecting the believers and the Muslims, the spread of Islam, the, uh, the uh, oppression being lifted, and also the personal reward one gains for being one that fights in the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is what this ayah is referring to. The following ayat that we're going to recite next week, we'll be talking in about, uh, more about the details of uh, fighting in Islam. What does it mean? What is transgression? And here uh, in... Allah mentions, for example, وَلَا تَعْتَدُوا Do not transgress. A lot of what people do today is transgress. They are not doing what was described in the Quran and the Sunnah. Uh, one more time. كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْقِتَالُ Qital has been made obligatory upon you. وَهُوَ كُرْهٌ لَكُمْ وَلَا something that you dislike. وَعَسَىٰ أَنْ تَكَرَوَ الشَّيْئًا It could be that you may dislike something. وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ And it is better for you. وَعَسَىٰ أَنْ تُحِبُّ الشَّيْئًا It may be that you like something, like staying behind, like not engaging, like not praying, like etc. All these things. وَهُوَ شَرٌ لَكُمْ And it is worse for you. This ayah can be applied in so many things. It may be that you like sleeping in, but it's bad for you. It may be that you dislike waking up early in the winter and coming to the masjid, but it is better for you. It may be that you don't like wearing the hijab, but it is better for you. It may be that you prefer not wearing it, and it's worse for you. So this is a qa'idah that you can uh, apply to all aspects of Islam. And you have to remember, whenever you have that in your heart, that you feel that an act of worship is difficult, that you feel an act of worship is something that, that comes easy to you. The end of this ayah. What does Allah end this ayah with? Wallahu ya'lamu. Allah knows. وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ You do not know. I was just reading some statistics on alcohol just today. Very interesting, right? That one of the leading causes of death in adult males in the UK is the consumption of alcohol. And 
the amount of problems it causes, especially when you, uh, um, uh, the consumption of alcohol, the amount of diseases it's causing, uh, and they say most violent crimes are committed under the influence of alcohol. Right? Most domestic abuse is committed under the influence of alcohol. Not to mention so many accidents that are happening because of alcohol. All of these things. Right? Allah has made it haram. Right? Allah has made it haram. But it may, it may be that you like something and it is bad for you. Allah knows you do not. You can apply it to so many things. Now, so, someone thinks that Allah has made haram. Gambling and alcohol, for example. They're both haram. Now, when you combine them, look what you get. When you combine gambling and, and, and drinking, people lose everything. Right? Allah, the laws of Allah are there to protect mankind. Right? Or imagine you uh, combine sexual immorality with alcohol. What you get. Right? Unwanted pregnancies. That leads to abortions or teenage pregnancies. Or this or that. All of these things. All of so many problems can be avoided if people listen to their creator. If people listen to the creator. And our message is to teach and spread the pure message of Islam. Not only that these problems could be avoided, but look at the ayah previously that was talking about giving. Give to your parents. Give to the, uh, uh, the needy. Give to the orphans. So again, when we listen to our Creator, we become better people who care for others and avoid immorality and sin and corruption. And if everyone did that, we would have a much more cohesive society where the orphans' needs are being met, the parents are being taken care of, the children are being taken care of, and we're avoiding all of these sins. And we understand, wallahi, if people just understood the, the, the Allah knows and we do not. Allah knows what's better for us and we do not. If this is understood, Every prohibition, this is why we believe as Muslims, every single command Allah gives is for the betterment of humanity. Every single prohibition Allah has made is also for the betterment of humanity. And also better for us as well. I include here, Barakallahu Fikum. We'll continue next week. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.